0: Well, as we, we start out this year, um, we are going through a, a short four part series just looking at the different conduits of God's grace, avenues of, his, of God's grace, gifts of His grace. Ways that once we follow Christ and we've been forgiven, that we have this new life in Him, He continues to uh, pour out His grace in different ways, in different measures, and different things like through His Word and through the gathering of God's people and through worship. And we're connecting those two as well with some of our, just our core commitments of a church. If what we want to be doing is, last week we talked about, and this represents some of those things, we talked about the first one of, of worship, of, of worshiping God passionately, and today we're going to talk about connecting, uh, connecting with one another. It's really that gift of God's grace that's found in the body of Christ as we gather together, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. Uh, but we don't neglect, too, that time of, of gathering on Sunday. And as we look at that and we think of this conduit, we think of connecting with one another authentically. And I'd like to add connect and care for one another authentically. We have this puzzle piece. And I think that's a good picture of what we see. Because a puzzle, well, probably you, if you hadn't before, probably during this pandemic time, you probably pulled out a puzzle, even if you didn't finish it. Because a lot of people throughout um, the world got into puzzles, apparently. So if you, weren't in the, if you were not in the the puzzle business, this was a wonderful time for you. Um, but puzzles, uh, Kelly likes puzzles. I like them for 10 to 15 minutes. Um, that's just me. But puzzles, when you bring them out, and if you have a good puzzle, uh, it's, it's difficult. Because uh, you don't want just a simple puzzle if it's a good puzzle. Maybe you have a thousand pieces. And some of the puzzles, they have maybe like four or five puzzle pieces. Don't get that one. You need one that has all sorts of random pieces. And As you look at them, they look kind of odd. They don't; nothing's really notable. They're uh, a little, little difficult to understand what they are. But when you put that puzzle all together, of course, it's it's amazing, and you're like, "Ah!" But if you miss just one piece or two pieces, it's disappointing because every piece matters within a puzzle. I think that's really is how it is with the church: is we gather together and we're the body of Christ, as we connect with one another. Uh, and it comes together. There's a beauty in it, even if um, some of us are those odd pieces. And I, I'm not saying you. I'm saying me. <laughs> but it, and every piece matters. Um, and we see that. We see that in lots of different ways within the scriptures. And today, we're going to look at, which we've already had read, that June read for us this morning, is Hebrews um, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And we see a picture of that, and we're going to see that. So Hebrews, though, um, as a, a book, and so we, every time we go to a scripture, we want to learn a little bit about that passage, and that's why we're, we'll eventually we'll be back in Hebrews. I know with Advent, we're kind of hitting, we're different passages every week in this next four weeks, but we're going to be back in Hebrews, or in Ephesians in a little bit. But Hebrews, it's a letter written to the first century church, And probably a Jewish congregation, because as he wrote, he he talks a lot about Old Testament background and Old Testament um, scriptures, and he points to those things, and it seemed that they had a strong background. They knew what he was talking about. So he quotes a lot from the Old Testament, explaining much about Jesus Christ, about how Christ fulfills all of these Old Testament prophecies that pointed to a Messiah to come, and the sacrificial system, all is fulfilled in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he speaks too about how Christ is the high priest, and in the Old Testament for the Jewish people, God provided a, a high priest that would go, he'd be a mediator, an advocate for the people, and he would go and offer sacrifice for the people in his sins, and now Christ comes, and he is the, the one true high priest, and we need no other, and he goes, and he's our mediator between us and God the Father. So he speaks about that. He speaks about Christ then through his sacrifice by dying on the cross for us, and then rising again that there's forgiveness now and forever in him. And the author, he's building this case through the first, the first few chapters of Hebrews that Christ um, is, is one who has come, and in him we have this new communion in him. That he comes and he is one who is a far better a far superior high priest who is a, a better mediator and a guarantee, one who came and is an advocate for us like the, the high priest in the Old Testament, but he comes with better promises. And instead of now, instead of, if you read through chapter 10 of Hebrews, instead of that of, the, of, the, of sin on our heart, the, the law is now written on our heart that we're able to obey in Christ and that there's forgiveness through him that we have our conscience that is wiped clean, that we are forgiven in Christ, that he indeed was one fully God and fully man who died in our place, took upon the punishment that we deserve, that his righteousness might be given to us. And we see the shed blood of Christ, the sacrifice was sufficient, the single, once sufficient sacrifice for us. And then then Christ sits at the right hand of God and his work is finished. It's complete comprehensive. He's victorious. And and then that kind of brings us into this passage and drops us here where we see that in Christ we have direct communication, direct fellowship with God. We're able to enter into the, the presence of our God who is holy. We can draw near to him and we don't draw near to him just as individuals but corporately together as brothers and sisters in Christ we can draw near to our God and find encouragement in Him, and we encourage one another as well as we see here. Encourage one another to be reminded of our faith that we have in Him, our hope and our love, and we'll, we'll talk about those things as we kind of walk through this. And we have this fellowship that's found in Jesus Christ that we're brought in, and He calls us to Christ, calls us to relationship and to communion and fellowship with Him. And Christ is our High Priest, one who is an advocate for us, enables us to to enter boldly before our God, uh, day by day, moment by moment, all the time, even right now, and we see that. So let's kind of look in and begin, verses 19 through 21, 19 through 21, and then we're going to see, and don't miss, we're going to get into it a little bit, but this is about not just individuals as following Christ, but all of us together. Because this is let us, let us. Therefore, verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. So we see that together through Jesus, our high priest, we, we have confident access to God. We're able to go to Him, a holy God. And because of Jesus and His sacrifice for us, His death for us, we can confidently go before God and worship and fellowship. We enter into the holy place, into the presence of God, into fellowship with Him. Because Christ, dying for our sins and taking upon that punishment and the guilt of our sin, he then puts his righteousness upon us. And you think about in the Old Testament how Christ provided for his people, that he allowed for that high priest to enter into the holy place, the holy of holies in the tabernacle or then the temple, and to offer sacrifice for the people. And he went in just once a year but here it says that there's this opening that happens and that we can, with confidence, enter in to the presence of our God because of the blood of Christ, that in Him we're, we're made right before a righteous God. We're justified, we're made holy, we're sanctified in Him. And even calls us. He calls us into relationship, into communion, into fellowship with Him, and to enter into His presence. And we don't have to send now, we don't have to send a high priest Uh, to go in our place, but we can go because of Christ. We go directly, moment by moment, into his presence. And even think of Christ, how we studied a couple weeks back about Christ in John 15. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. So things have changed in Christ. I think of 1 Corinthians 3.16 that says, Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So we might enter into the fellowship of our God. And last week we talked about worshiping God passionately. It's because of Christ that we can, we can worship our God passionately. And if, if we can enter in with confidence, we should go. We must. This is a quote from J.C. Ryle, who in the 1800s was an Anglican pastor. And he said this, No one ever said at the end of his days, I have read my Bible too much. I have thought of God too much. I have prayed too much. I've been too careful with my soul. It just doesn't happen. So we should enter in as we have this invitation to come and be in the presence of our God. And the verse 20, it's by the new and living way that he opened, that Christ opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. So Christ has gone before us establishing this new and living way that wasn't available before to the saints of old before christ but now through his his life and his death and his resurrection we have this new way uh, to enter into the presence of god and the curtain it speaks of the curtain and in the temple and the tabernacle there was a a curtain that separated the people all of the people from the holy of holies the place where god chose to demonstrate the his presence and his holiness where that High priest would go once a year to offer sacrifice, and there was a barrier there. And the priest had to go to to be that mediator between God and the people. And it says that curtain's been removed, really, by Christ through his death and his resurrection. And this curtain, it was a separator. It was a barrier. And now it's been replaced by Jesus Christ, who instead of it being a separation, it unites us. Christ unites us with God in fellowship with Him. And now it's through Jesus that we can confidently come before our God daily, moment by moment. So Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, is our great High Priest, our great Mediator, our great Advocate for us. 1 Timothy 2.5, I think I have that verse up there. It says, For there is one God, and there is one Mediator between God and man, uh, the man, Christ Jesus. And then Hebrews seven twenty five from the book we're in today. Consequently, he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You see, we, we have this direct fellowship with our God. Christ stands. He's an advocate. He's interceding for us. He died for us. Romans 8, 31 through 35 So we have this picture of Christ who is always there advocating, interceding for us on our behalf. And we should go in and we should enter into fellowship and worship of our God. We should go to Him in singing and prayer and through His Word because of what Christ has done and know that through Christ we are forgiven. We have this fellowship with our God. And then... We see, and this kind of brings us some of our application, the way that we're we're seeing that this connects with all of us. We see the writer of Hebrews, he continues in verses 22 and 23 and 24, he says, let us, let us, let us, not let you, let you, but us together we enter in and we do these things together. So verse 22, together, let us draw near. In confidence, I would say, and add in the notes there, Um, Let us draw near in confidence and forgiven, confidently and forgiven in faith. We can enter in. Because of what Christ has done, we're able to enter in together. We draw near to God in full assurance of faith. We do this together. Faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ who has taken our sins away and has, has washed away our stain of guilt because of our sin and we are pure and forgiven. We should draw near together with confidence and be reminded of the, those things. And we can, and we should draw near before only the high priest could enter in to the direct presence of God. But now we can together and we should, not just yearly, but all the time. This is What uh, one of my my friends, and who's a professor, uh, Barry Joslin, he said this. He said, It is a summons for us to come to him as the people of God in worship and hope, prayer, and confidence, glory, and delight. We are to do so with a sincere heart, one that is not divided in its affections or varied in its intentions. So we're called together to enter in, to worship before our God. And it's not uh, just Sunday mornings, but Sunday mornings is a huge part of that. We do gather together to worship our God together, and it is significant, and it is important. And we need even as we do that just before on on Sunday mornings, even in the morning, begin to ask our heart, um, Lord, how would you have me prepare my heart this morning to go and, and worship you? And as we say, as we take communion, that we don't come casually, but come with repentant hearts, and we should just prepare our hearts as we come together to worship our God. And, and we also come before Him throughout the week, and we draw near to God, both um, as individuals, but also also as other groups of brothers and sisters as we gather through all, throughout the week. And may we, as we even gather, may we remind one another of the truth of the gospel, of the the faith that we have in our Christ and the confidence that we can have through Him. And be reminded, too, that we are forgiven, that our sins have been wiped clean by Christ. And I think part of that is even confessing our sins one to another. Uh, That's something we don't uh, always like doing. Uh, James 5.16 says it this way, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So we're called to do that. I don't know if you've ever, um, maybe after a, a lunch at, at work, um, you've had lunch and you're kind of back working and you look down at your shirt and you realize, oh my goodness, I have part of my lunch still on my shirt Not that I've ever done that, but, um, and you look down, you're like, oh my goodness. So you're like, what do I do? So you go to the bathroom and you you try to scrub it out. So, and then it doesn't come out. So now you have a wet shirt and a spot and you're like, how do you go through the day? So you just kind of go like, Hey, how are you doing? You just try to cover that stain throughout your day just to get home. You can get it off and get it clean and just kind of work through your day. And, um, sometimes we do that a little bit with one another a bit too, um, we, we kind of cover up our stains and maybe our hidden sin and we feel the weight of it, but we forget that together we can be reminded that we are forgiven, that in Christ we are washed free, that we are um, those who are children of God. But often, um, I think there's a power of hidden and unconfessed sin that can weigh on us and we can live life a little bit like that, where we're trying to cover that, that guilt and that sin. And there's such a freedom when we're able to gather together and, and confess sins one to another and know that we're forgiven and be reminded by our brothers and sisters in Christ that, hey, we can stand with full assurance knowing that we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. And there's a burden that's lifted and removed. We don't have to walk around covering that stain because we're forgiven. And this doesn't happen uh, when we live in isolation either. It doesn't happen when we try to live our walk isolated from one another. But we have to gather and build those relationships and, and be reminded, coming together, drawing near with full assurance, we are forgiven. We have life in Christ. And then verse 23, let us hold fast to hope. So he said, holding fast to faith, holding fast to the hope that we have in Christ. And we read verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So we, we come together in true connection and care, authentic, authentically connecting, caring for one another. We gather together and persevere in confidence of the faith and the hope that we have in, jo- in Jesus, to, to walk with him, And we need one another to do that. We don't do it well alone. We need to do it, be reminded. Even when we're walking through trial and temptations and suffering, we need one another to be reminded of the hope that we have and stand on it and be reminded that we have one who is faithful. We need that. But in isolation, uh, I think this is true, in isolation, apart from other brothers and sisters in Christ I think our faith can grow dim at times uh, and grow weak. It's a little bit, I think it was, I didn't look back to find it, but I think it's in a book by a pastor named Kent Hughes who talks about when we're wrestling in sin, just continually fighting sin, and we, we, we are kind of in the rut of that sin. Um, often God can feel really distant and far away, and we can even doubt God, when we're in the midst of our sin. And I think the same is true when we're in the midst of isolation from other brothers and sisters in Christ. I think God can feel far. Our faith can feel dim and weak as well. We need to gather together. We need to help one another pursue this truth, to stand on hope together, to be reminded of the unwavering faithfulness of the promises of our God. And we we need to do that together. We need to be re- remind one another. God is faithful. Even this past week, I went and saw Miss Mary at the um, at where she's um, doing her rehabilitation for her fall that she had, and and she's been there since before Christmas. And um, she's a little bit on kind of a bed rest right now because they want those bones to heal up, and so it means not a lot of movement. And and whenever I go to visit her, I'm always. Uh, more encouraged when I leave than when I came. Um, she just uh, just expressed uh, just great hope in God, and she just talked about I, I don't always know what He's doing, but I know He's faithful. I know He's faithful, and, and just her faith. I was like I was encouraged. I don't know, a June, when you go, just encourage, um, encouraged by her faith. But but if I hadn't gotten to visit her, I wouldn't have had that blessing of being encouraged in my faith in my hope, that I was. Uh, pretty soon, when we get back to Ephesians, we'll be in Ephesians 4, and it speaks about that we speak truth and love, and we need to do that with one another. And we need to have environments to, to be able to, to gather together. And of course, one of those huge ones is on Sunday morning. And I'm so thankful that you're here this morning, that we're able to gather. I think also of our community group times, I encourage you to be a a part of that right now before pandemic we had a couple going right now we just have one and eventually you know we'll probably have more than one but those meet on sunday nights and anyone's welcome to come and be a part of that we encourage one another we eat together we spur one another on i'm always encouraged by that and we have our smaller discipleship groups um, our dna groups at Stanford um, disciple nurture and accountability and small guy and gal groups we encourage one another we spur one another on um, I encourage you, if it, that's a group that you can still be a part of. We have sign-ups for that in the back if you want to be a part of a, a, a DNA group. And then we have Sunday morning Bible study that meets at 9. You're welcome to join in on that. And then unplanned times throughout the week. I encourage you, spend time together. Give calls, um, text, invite others over. But we have to gather to do that. Verse 24 then, And let us gather let us gather in love and love. And encourage one another. And this, probably, these couple of verses are probably the, more, the most familiar, probably, verses in this passage. You're probably really familiar. If you've grown up in the church, you're like, oh, I know these for sure. And let us consider how to stir up one another, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So there's this call to, to together, gather, to draw near to God in faith. Together, holding fast our hope and our faith and our love. And we have to do that by gathering. And it's a means of God's grace. It, we talk about those conduits of his grace. and Sometimes we are, we're busy talking about the guy treading water, who's too busy treading water to then to get into the life raft. And we do that a little bit. But he holds out this grace. Gather together to pursue Christ together, not in isolation. I love the body of Christ. I love the local expression of the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're family. Uh, there should be a love here. And I'm talking about the building, no, but the people. The family that gathers here. May we here find love and grace and warmth and truth. And here there's um, some ways we do that. We, we stir one where there's a stirring of one another. There's a not neglecting, and then also just an encouraging that happens that we see in these verses. So we, we stir one another up, we spur one another on, we provoke one another to action, uh, we motivate one another, and and some of us maybe are a little bit. I don't know if you've ever been on a uh cattle farm or a feedlot here in Colorado, but they have these things called hot shots. This isn't in my notes, so I hope this goes well, but hot shots, kind of, you zap the cow to get them going, but sometimes we need a little little zap it, a little stirring up, motivating. I don't know if he had hot shots in mind. I don't think so, but um, we do. We, sometimes we need to spur, spur one another on um, um, toward love and good deeds, encourage one another, and it says here to consider... It's intentional. It's thoughtful. Consider how we might do these things to spur one another on. And sometimes that, that just means uh, setting aside a time to meet together to sit down together. I know one of the things I love being part of the Calvary family of churches. is that I have other pastors where uh, at least once a, once a month we have a meeting together. And then I, I'm on other calls and I see some of the guys. And just being together, I'm encouraged. Just hearing, even when they're just sharing how they're struggling, there's just like, oh, we're in this together. Um, so we need to gather, and I love some of that happens in our DNA groups, and in this gathering, being together, so we can stir one another up, spur one another up toward great love and, and good deeds and service of our God. And we are people that should be those who point one another and, and love one another, and these good de- deeds are ways that we love one another, and some of that might be praying for one another and saying, well, how can I pray for you this week? You're sending out a text. How are you doing in this or that, or can I pray for you? And inviting one another and making meals when people are are sick and sending notes or phone calls or it could look like all sorts of things so we should do that and then he says not neglecting don't neglect it so if he says he has to encourage them and say hey some are neglecting it so we understand that it can be easy to neglect meeting together right Um, it began really early first century church and we still wrestle with it now he says, hey, don't, don't neglect. Keep meeting. Gather together. So there, we need to not neglect and continue. And we've seen, I mean, seen, wow, in the couple months, what, two or three months, however long it was, that during the lockdown where we didn't gather together, I still feel like there's still fallout from that in the lives of people and families. And maybe not neglect, maybe gather. Uh, and a question might be, well, why do we neglect? Like, as a culture, as individual, I think it's good to even in our own heart say, well, why, what pulls me away from, from, from gathering? And I think one of those, uh, for most of us, is in our culture, too, we have a consumer mindset, right? We, we think a lot about um, consuming. And sometimes we need to switch that. And I do often pray, Lord, may, may I be the one who comes as, as one to serve this morning? And not just consume, but now there's some mornings where we come and we have nothing. We're like, I've got to be, a you know, just I need to be served, and that's fine. I think one of the times I learned that, I think first learned that was in college. I was um, at a, a church where I was helping with the youth, so that kind of pulled me into the church, and then I started working there part time. And um, they had a, it was a beautiful church, and it had this huge organ. Where they, that they played just really loud organy music and man I just didn't like it at all and um, the preaching was okay I just I don't know I just kind of went but then I got to know the people and love the people and then I love the music and I love just because I wasn't there just to consume and I just that was my my people and I enjoyed worshiping sometimes we just have a lack of commitment where. Where people if we are if we're committed to anything, it's a commitment to not be committed. Um, that's kind of the, the water we swim in right now, and I feel it at times and I, I'm there. But in Romans twelve, eleven says, Never lack never be lacking in zeal. Keeping your spiritual fervor for the Lord. And it's hard it's hard to authentically connect and care for one another if we're not committed to one another, right? It just doesn't happen. Have to grow in that commitment with one another. I'm not talking about or programs and organiz- organizational type things, but to one another, <laughs> a commitment to one another. Not, not whatever my 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 next program might be. I don't know. I'm not a big program person, but a commitment to one another. Um, also, I think here in Colorado and well in America, we rugged individuals, right? we this individualism. We, I don't need others. I can do it myself, right? But that doesn't, that doesn't do very well with trying to connect with one another and love one another. It's kind of that idea, um, if you're using, I've used, shared several times, if you're using a table saw and you, and you slice a finger off, um, you feel that for a long time. <laughs> and you can't, also, you can't also say that finger, you're like, well, you know, I'm gonna, maybe in three months or so I'm going to put it back on. No! <laughs> we just need to be, we can't do it alone. We need to... To connect and we also are a culture committed if we're committed to not being committed we're also committed to continually being offended by everyone and that doesn't go very well with um, loving one another we need to grow and not being so critical of one another but loving and forgiving and then finally encouraging verse 25 finishes up but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching we need to encourage one another build up one another and um, all the more. We only get closer to the return of Christ every day. So all the more, every day, more and more, encourage and connect with one another. So you might think, "Well, where do I go from here? Well, first, uh, this morning if you come and you know that you're just far from the Lord and far from Christ, I encourage you to, as Christ says, repent and believe. It's, it's turn from yourself and your sin and trust and find that forgiveness and that hope that faith that love that's unshakable that can be found in jesus christ i encourage you to walk through that even this morning come see one of us who who would love to share you about what it means to follow jesus christ it might be in, um being just evaluating where you are at and on connecting and caring for one another in our body um what ways is the lord calling you to do that what is he asking you to be a part of? Or maybe uh, pretty soon we'll, we'll have a new members class. Maybe the Lord just say, hey, really commit to this body of Christ. Uh, may you just put that before and just encourage one another. Spur one another up in love and good deeds. May we stand on the faith that we have in Christ together and worship our God together. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we thank you.